Welcome to the 2024 VHS Village Award nomination special event, presented by 70mm Rejected, your four-villager, by-villager podcast, keeping you updated on Discord events, daily discussions, gossip, and chat highlights every other week. I'm Grugrax Dave, and with me is Ben C., and we're your hosts and guides through this Rejected nomination special. This year's VHS Village Award nominees celebrate some of our community's favorite films of 2023. From dueling record-breaking blockbusters to quiet, thought-provoking soul stirs and everything in between. Our villagers have watched hours and hours of cinema and have all submitted their personal votes for this year's nominees. Our crack accounting team at IVM and Associates of Southern California has tallied up all the votes double-checked their work, and has passed their results along to the 70mm rejected team. And we now have the honor of presenting those nominations and kicking off our road to the Oscars, giving our wonderful village the weeks leading up to the Oscars to vote for our village award winners. And we will announce those winners live during our second annual Oscars watch party, presented by ABC's Likely Broadcast Issues. For this year's VHS Village Awards, the categories are Best Writing, Best Cinematography, Best Editing, Best Score, Best Director, and of course, Best Picture. So, without further ado, let us begin with our first category, Best Writing. The script of each film represents a writer's inception of an idea, grown through time, into a story written down for the world to read, and hopefully, one day, we see it on the screen. When a story or script shows promise or excitement for a filmmaker and brings something new to the table, it makes the rest of the project feel alive with the words from its pages. To present this year's nominees for Best Writing, please welcome our first presenters of the evening, the Podzilla Podcast. Hey guys, I'm Jaysha. And I'm Micah, and we are the esteemed brothers who co-host the Podzilla podcast. We cover all Godzilla and monster kaiju-related movies. Yeah, and we are honored to be announcing the writing nominees for the 2024 VHS Village Awards. Should we get to the nominees? Anatomy of a Fall, written by Justine Triet and Arthur Harari. The language was in the center of the movie, I think. It's a character in a way, and I think it embodies the relationship between Sandra and and Samuel, and she's so uncatchable in a way because she has many languages inside her. So I think when she's talking in French in the courtroom, we can think that she prepared herself very well. And when she switched it in English, I think we can feel that it's the emotional part, but she's a writer too, so. Um, people always speak uh, instead of her and she's dispossessed of her narrative and in a way because she's a writer she looks like somebody who could manipulate others you know so language is in the real life she's she's powerful she's uh, she has strengths but in that case it everything uh, is warps, you know, and uh, and against her at the end. Asteroid City, written by Wes Anderson and Roman Coppola. During the real intense part of the COVID period, we were writing the script. I don't think there would be quarantine in the story if we weren't experiencing it. But I feel now that writing is in some ways the most improvisational part of the whole process because it relies upon a moment of having nothing and it, having absolutely nothing. And if you don't have something spark, uh, even though you may rework it and rework it, which we do. And that always has what's in your life filtering into it, what's in your in- the entire course of your life and what you've read and what's happening right then. I think it's steeped in it in a way that we didn't control. Bobby. Written by Noah Baumbach and Greta Gerwig. You know, honestly, I think we, uh, 
We wrote it at such a specific time in the midst of lockdown and everything else, and it was really like, you know, I thought, I was like, I don't even know if there's ever going to be movies again, but like, if there are, let's write the most outrageous, anarchic, hilarious thing that, you know, if they'll never let us make it, let's, uh, let's imaginary go out with a bang. <laughs> the Holdovers, written by David Hemingson. Alexander read a pilot that I wrote uh, about four years ago uh, that was set in a prep school in 1980. Uh, and he kind of called me up out of the blue and having read it, was like, I love this pilot. And I was like incredibly flattered because he's like a personal hero of mine, he's a brilliant director. So I was like blown away. Um, and then he said, you know, but I don't really do TV, uh, but I have this feature I want to do that's set in, a, in that world in 1970. I said, okay, sure. And I said, what is he? he said, well, basically, I really want to do this sort of optically challenged kind of odiferous professor uh, that gets stuck uh, at a prep school um, over Christmas break 1970 to 71 with a group of students, one of whom has sort of been stranded by his family, most definitely, and, and this relationship kind of evolves over the course of the movie. Uh, and so that was sort of the genesis of the whole thing. May December, written by Alex McKinnick and Sammy Birch. In the seat for me was this idea of the character of Joe that's played so beautifully by Charles Melton in the film. It's, you know, a man who's 36 and about to be an empty nester who hasn't processed what happened to him as a child and also the kind of second arrow of the media blitz that followed and then also you know being a parent at such such a young age so that was kind of it, it it always felt to me like a story about this man right before his last child graduates high school and then so there was always that kind of distance of time opportunity to look at something to see the remnants of it instead of like staring right at it then it was kind of about figuring out a way in that brought maybe more opportunities for humor, for satire, you know, going in with this television actress, doing research for a true crime biopic felt like uh, tonally the right mix. And Past Lives, written by Celine Song. To me, it was really about um, uh, many different things when it comes to what it's like to live our lives and grow older and uh, move places and uh, move on with certain things because I think that that is something that we're always uh, having to do regardless no matter who you are and I think um, every step of the way the thing that I wanted to convey is the way that time and space feels for um, all of us as human beings first more than anything else and of course I think that the story of Nora and the one uh, is that uh, she she quite literally crossed the Pacific Ocean you know, to be in a different place. And uh, she left somebody uh, behind there um, and she left a part of herself behind there too. And I think it does not mean that Nora's not happy um, being in the place that she is now, but I think that that little girl that she left behind uh, back in Korea should also be uh, acknowledged and uh, grieved. I mean, we don't want to tip the odds in favor of any of these movies. I've seen all of them. I love each and every one. I think that the writing throughout them all is amazing. I think a standout for me is probably The Holdovers. Mm. Um, yeah, it was really beautiful stuff. It made me cry. Uh, but each of these was really good. Did you have a standout for you? I know you've seen each and every one of these, <laughs> right? I have only seen Past Lives, I believe, of the five. And Anatomy um, of a Fall? And, oh, sorry, and Anatomy of a Fall. Yeah. But I, I loved Past Lives. Uh, the dynamic of each of the three characters and just the conversations that they have throughout the film. Um, each each and every single one really, really hit home for me. Yeah. But I do think there's like a glaring omission here throughout all of these nominees. Where is Godzilla Minus One? Mm. Right? I mean, everyone's talking about the visuals in Godzilla Minus One, but man, that story? Are you kidding me? So I think like, guys, I've heard of a little secret thing you can do when it comes to ballots, right? Ball like Oscar ballots? There's a special thing not many people talk about, the write-in ballot, the write-in. Uh, so if you guys, when you get your form to fill out to put forward your winner, if you write anywhere on that form Godzilla minus one, they have to take action. They have to count that as a point towards Godzilla minus one, even if that film wasn't nominated. Have you heard about this? I have, I have. VHS Village, now is the time yeah. to rise up. Yeah. Let's, let's make the right movie win for best writing. Thank you, Jayshu. Thank you, Micah, and good luck with your writing campaign. 
I know many of us villagers are enjoying this new season and are very excited for this rumored special guest upcoming. Well, many villagers could not agree more as it was on the shortlist to be a finalist. But I have to admit, I think most folks probably care more about how Godzilla looks on screen than what the humans might be saying. But for minus one though, it does balance story and look better than any other Godzilla film made so far. Which segues us perfectly into our next category, Best Cinematography. Cinematography is the lens which we see the script and the story plays out. Nowadays, we have so many new ways of showing those stories that sometimes we get caught up in the what lens are they using, what camera are they using, instead of focusing on how they are capturing a certain scene. But let's let one of the greatest cinematographers tell us a bit more about their process. I've never really been big on uh, technology. Technique, I mean, maybe technique, but not technology. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I, I don't know much about the workings of a camera. Um, I know about, you know, RGB lab work and stuff, but I don't know much about pixels, where they come from and how they exist. And, you know, <laughs> I enjoy reading about it, but it goes straight through. I, I know, I, you know, I, I love images and, and telling stories with images and how you move the camera and framing. What difference does a, that you move the camera that way, that little bit, what, what difference does that make to the effect it has on an audience? Mm. A light's here or it's a light here or it's a here or it's a here or, you know, it's back here. What difference, do, what, dif what do those differences, how do they affect the scene and the audience's per perception of the story and their immersion in that story? That's what's interesting, not whether it's 8mm, 70mm, Alexa, red camera, I don't know, iPhone, I don't really care, you know? Mm. That's, that's it was part of it, but it's not the essential part of it. Wise words from Dagaud Roger Deakins. And without further ado, presenting the nominees for Best Cinematography, our friends from the Criterion Connection. Hello, I'm Ian. And I'm Mackenzie. And together, we're the Criterion Connection. Today, we are very excited to be presenting the VHS Village 2023-24 nominations for Achievement in Cinematography. The best cinematography nominations for this year represent everything from pastel, whimsical worlds to harrowing tales of the darkest parts of human nature. Some of the most impressive films of the year are so transcendent because of their incredible cinematography. The cinematographers nominated this year translated the director's ideas and vision into reality, bringing us closer to the stories being told. They're an extension of the director's voice, integral to these films and the effect they had on us, the audience. And the nominees are... Robert D. Yemen and Tristan Oliver for Asteroid City. Cinematography unavailable as this is an audio format. Rodrigo Prieto for Barbie. Cinematography unavailable as this is an audio format. Rodrigo Prieto for Killers of the Flower Moon. Cinematography unavailable as this is an audio format. Matthew Libetique for Maestro. Cinematography unavailable as this is an audio format. Hoyt Van Hoytema for Oppenheimer. Cinematography unavailable as this is an audio format. Robbie Ryan for Poor Things. Cinematography unavailable as this is an audio format. These are the VHS Village nominations for Best Cinematography. Thank you, Kenzo and Ian. Articulated so eloquently as always. We continue along through our awards nomination special, as the makers of film do, beginning to cut down all the amazing visual and audio captured by the film crew over weeks of hard work and distilling that down into the core of what the script and story asks for. We've arrived at editing. To present our nominees for editing, the other half of Mackenzo Mondays. Please welcome our beloved duo from the Austin Danger Pod.
Hello, VHS Village. It's Kevin McKenzie from Austin Danger Podcast. Still and forever, the only randomly curated Austin Powers theme podcast in the world. We're here to award the VHS Village Award for Best Editing in a Motion Picture. Kev, I think you'd agree editing is a vital part of any creative process. That's right, Kenzo. It's the job of a skilled editor to take the raw art of a piece and carve it down to the bare essentials. They are the grand celestial omnipotent woodsmen who take the- There's gotta be a better way to say that. They make thing good? I'll edit that. We'll get there. Um, until then, the nominees for the 2023 VHS Village Award for Best Editing in a Motion Picture are... Nick Huey for Barbie. I wouldn't say I look at it even once a week, but occasionally I sit there and I really do look at them. And I also, Abdul was great about making like, breaking them up into like smaller chunks. So if there was a sequence that actually was kind of, we were moving a piece of it around or something, he would make two or three cards out of one that was originally one card. And so we were constantly, you know, moving things around and trying things out and taking things out. You know, I would just... If we if we lost something, I'd put it on the floor, so to speak. I would just put it in the corner of the bulletin board, and it ended up, you know, at first there was only one or two things in the corner, and then by the end it was like a a, st a deck of cards. Um, and part of that was because we were breaking up scenes into a lot of pieces and then losing them, um, and it was also just because we were whittling down something that was originally quite long with eight reels into something that was quite short, still with eight reels. <laughs> and we kept the eight reel form, which was wonderful actually, because reel seven was such a uh, wonderful thing. You could watch it on its own as a short film, and it would be pretty fun. From the beginning of the Matchbox 20 song to the end of the I'm Just Ken song, it was a great reel. Kirk Baxter for The Killer. By the idea of showing a lot of detail and taking your time leading up to what's going to be like a high impact action piece. I think sort of marinating in the stretch is building tension. So I think more than any other movie I've worked on, this was one that really got to exploit that whole idea of we're not in a rush here until we are. That to me is the suspense. Sound had a lot to do with it with this as well. We tried to not um, rely on score and music to kind of always place it create the tension for us in explosive action absolutely but most of the tension stuff leading up to something i kind of cut it dry thelma schoonmaker killers of the flower moon it's all marty and me it's all it's marty's notes to the to the uh, script supervisor and then me looking at it and the two of us when we look together saying oh that's incredible you know we have to use that when something's that brilliant, it, there's no argument about it. <laughs> In fact, uh, Leo's performance on the stand at the very end of the movie is so brilliant that Marty called me from the set and he said, I want to use take one only of this performance and cut away only when we absolutely have to. I want to just hold on Leo for the entire duration of the testimony because he is so brilliant and he is. So we only cut away when the prosecutor points to De Niro and says, he is now talking about this man and it switch pans over to De Niro because Leo has just incriminated him. Jennifer Lame for Oppenheimer. I think Oppenheimer's like chasing the guy down the street and then he goes into his classroom and then he starts on the chalkboard. That's just an example, I would say, of like Chris's incredible efficiency and also Hoyta's because like that really cool shot by the chalkboard where he's furiously writing and then like it cuts and he stands back. Like that's just a really great, clever directing and writing mechanism of just efficiency. I can't really take credit for that particular moment. It was like, that's one of those moments where you're editing a movie and you're like, oh, this is amazing. And it's just so fun to edit because it's clearly so thoughtful, that little piece. He's with Florence Pugh. He sees the guy running. He runs back. He's like, they split the atom. They did it. He does the chalkboard thing. He goes into the room and then they have that moment where he's like, you know what we're, everybody's thinking? That section, that little piece, it's a great example of helping make my job easy in this sense that there's so much story to cover, and Chris did such a good job, obviously, writing it and directing it, him and Hoyta together, just making these efficient moments feel so energetic and, like, beautifully shot. But I remember when I saw it, I was like, wow, that is so cool how they did that. It was just great. Keith Frace, Past Lives? 
I've been incredibly lucky to have stumbled into a career in editing. People talk about it all the time, but I mean, it's true. The films are made in the editing room. And that feeling of collaboration with the director, with the composers, with the editing teams that I've been involved with, those are relationships that I cherish tremendously. And every film that I work on is a new opportunity to learn and study the craft of filmmaking. And to be able to be in that sort of realm where I get to continue my education as someone who loved learning about film and loved talking about film, that's what I do every day and discuss, you know, how different ideas can be expressed through different modes of editing. Michael Andrews for Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. We do start with storyboards as much as possible because that's the best way to figure out where you're going. It's the equivalent of the pre-production phase for us. We're helping write the movie, basically, because we're trying to come up with all the building blocks that you need just to make the story land. You don't want to kick off production too early. That's when it gets expensive, and you want to review the whole movie and storyboards a couple times at least to make sure you're on the right path before you put it into production. So while the layout department is working out on camera, we're still working on the story. Rewrites, trying new lines, trying new beats, trying to get all the emotion out of it that we possibly can before it's too late. Then it moves into animation after layout. Thanks to Dave and the gang for letting us appear on the show. Peace and love, and let's see the winner. (laughs) Very excited to see who the village votes for this one. And as ADP said, editing is a crucial part of the distilling process of any filmmaking. And as our nominee Michael Andrews from the Spider-Verse mentioned, they are at times also working alongside the film's composer to not only match what you're seeing on screen, but the tone of the film overall. And this year's score nominees do just that. They lift and drop you like a roller coaster through vibrant, orchestrated climaxes or pulsing, explosive tones. To present our nominees for best score, please welcome the wonderful voices of the movie mixtape. Welcome to the movie mixtape. My name is Dirk, and joining me, as always, if he were a movie score, I would give him five out of five. It's Mikey P. How are you, Mikey P? Hey, what's up, Dirk? Oh, sorry, I didn't watch the movie yet. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm not ready for, for the show. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> are you winning an Academy Award as well, Mikey? <laughs> are you? <laughs> but joining us as always, if she was a movie score, she would be turning, 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 Mikey, good. You didn't watch a movie? Perfect. <laughs> We're doing awards. <laughs> awesome. I love awards. I love award season. I would have worn my, my tuxedo, though. I wish I knew. To well, your birthday suit works for us, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so this is the second annual VHS Village Awards. This is for the year 2023, and we are here to announce the nominees for best score. So are you guys ready to go through the nominees? Sure, I think that scores are really important, right? Because if you were just watching a film and it had no music, it'd be like watching real life, and that would just be sad. Like everybody would be sat together in a room, just looking out of a big window, looking at real life. Unless it was like, like Godzilla minus one or something, then that would still be interesting. So scores are very important. They tell me how to feel. Mm-hmm. Yep, they're manipulative. <laughs> Good job, Mikey. <laughs> All right, well, I will go first. So our first nominee we have here, the boy in the heron with Joe Hizashi as the composer for that film. Thank you. 
Killers of the Flower Moon by Robbie Robertson, R.I.P. Oppenheimer. <laughs> oh my god. Ludwig Goransson. <laughs> oh my Four things. Uh, Jerskin Fendrix is the composer That's for that. Not a real film. name. <laughs> Jerskin Fendrix. <laughs> Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse by Daniel Pemberton. Uh, yeah. You've seen all of these movies. Which one did you want to win? Uh, 
honestly, I really like uh, the Daniel Pemberton score. I love the first end of the Spider-Verse score that he did as well. But unfortunately, you know what? He didn't even get nominated for the Oscar. I thought Typical. it would be fun. Mm-hmm. Um, so three out of these five nominees match up with the Oscars. Do you want to take a guess which three are actually nominated for an Oscar along with a VHS Village Award? Killers of the Flower Moon. There you go. Oppenheimer. Oppenheimer, yeah. Poor things. Poor things. You guys did it. I'm <laughs> so proud of you guys. Maybe you're rubbing off on us, Marcy. I did it. Look at me. <laughs> <laughs> well, you guys have seen one of these movies. Um, would you say that the Cross of Spider-Verse is also your favorite <laughs> out of these scores? That's uh, I'll be honest, when I saw Spider-Verse, though, my kid was running around a lot at the front and I was not able to pay attention. So I can't even tell you, I couldn't even tell you what happened in that movie, let alone the score. I just hope that Fair Play wins and afterwards they all shake hands and have an orange juice. You know what? Sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I want Jerskin Fenders to win. Me too. <laughs> Absolutely me too. Jerskin. Jerskin, we're pulling for you. Well, good luck to all of the nominees and uh, mm-hmm. thanks for having us. Suck on that, you suckers. Thank you so much to Marcy, Dirk, and Mikey P. Hi, Mikey. And just another reminder the Village Vote will be held over the next few weeks, and our winners will be announced live during the second annual Oscar Watch Party, presented by Likely ABC Broadcast Issues. With only two categories left. Our penultimate category is truly a battle of village faves, new and old. With films across the spectrum and as varied as the village itself, our best director noms are the best of the best of 2023. The conductor of the filmmaking orchestra, the director takes all of our previous categories together and ultimately is the final say in what we inevitably see and hear on screen. But enough of my rambling. I'll let our amazing friends at Real Latinos tell us more. Bienvenidos a... <laughs> Wait, this isn't our episode. My name is Ismael. I'm Goody. And I'm Ron. And we are the Real Latinos, los tres amigos who cover Latin American movies. From the tips of Patagonia. To the south side of Chicago. And everything in between. And we are so excited to announce the Golden VG nominations for Best Director of 2023. Here are the nominees for Best Directing for a Motion Picture. Wes Anderson. For Asteroid City. He's such a wonderful actor director. He gives great notes. He notices everything. He's so totally present, so energetic, and somehow gets more energy as the day goes on, which is like physically impossible. I don't know yeah. how it happens, but he's just so energized by the production. Greta Gerwig for Barbie. Her direction's incredible, and sometimes she'll just talk about a thing without specifically giving you a piece of direction, but she'll be like, you know that thing where da 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 And so she'll say all this stuff and she's like, I don't know if that's helpful, but you, and you're like, no, I, I think I know what you, what I should do now based on that anecdote. Other times I was like, I, I have, she's so yeah. smart. I was like, I got lost in that story and I, I stopped, oh my goodness, she's just so smart. And you were saying earlier, it's true, she'll reference so many things at once and, mm. Like she'll reference a some random moment from both uh, a Jacques Tati film and then like you know the latest episode of, of like Love Is Blind and you know and then also a story about when she was a kid and fencing and then <laughs> somehow all of it just becomes exactly uh, and it's all applicable what you, what you and connected weirdly. Yeah. yeah. Christopher Nolan for Oppenheimer. His breadth of abilities are just so vast and um, and you feel that, you know, I feel like there must have been a hurricane going on inside of him during this process, none of which you see. It's just encased in this very calm exterior and you're kind of kept from the chaos of what it must have been like to create a film like this. But 
I think he's in equal measures just incredibly curious about the artistic pursuit that actors go through and he wants to see what you're going to bring. You just feel every day he was like, what else, what else? Show me, show me, show me. It's <laughs> just sort of wonderfully freeing, you know, to work with someone like that who's as invested in what you can bring as he is in the engineering and the structure of the film. So, I mean, I just think there's no one who can do that. Like he's so groundbreaking in that, in that way. Martin Scorsese for Killers of the Flower Moon. This is, I think, a very important detail, and it also mirrors the film. You see that scene where uh, Yancey Redcorn playing Bonacastle and Everett Waller playing Red Eagle say, are you, are you here because whatever, or is it because we paid you $20,000 to, to be here and do your job? Um, that was a crucial like element that removes the whole white saviorism thing. Um, and also with this film, Grey Horse extended an invitation to Marty and the filmmakers first to come to Fairfax. To um, They were gonna put food on the table and just to sit and visit with the community because they had caught that the rights had been purchased. They knew the movement. They knew that it was going to happen. They knew, you know, they were following it. Pretty much since the book came out, they were following it. Um, so yeah, it was Osage who reached out to Marty and Marty accepted. That's, there are a lot of people that wouldn't have, that would have um, had uh, possessive, like, feelings about the narrative they wanted to tell, you know? Like, I mean, and I know that Leo was definitely encouraging him to go do that too, and he went and he ate the food, he loves squash, <laughs> that was Marty's favorite. Community watches all those little things and they remember. And Celine's song for past lives. First of all, we are all deeply suspicious that this is her directorial debut. I feel like enough time has passed that she can just come clean and be honest about that and we wouldn't hold it against her. I have never met anyone like her. Um, and I don't I don't mean to be hyperbolic about that. She is she is superhuman, she's like an alien, she she's a master. I have never experienced getting to witness someone literally step into their gift. Uh, I don't imagine I will have many more experiences like that. Um, it is, was clear that collectively our producers, our, all of the, the departments, our entire crew, the rest of the cast, certainly, we all assembled together um, because of the script initially. It was the script. And then imagine our shock when, when then it became, oh, we came for the script, but now we're staying for the director. Wow, wow, wow. How about these nominations? Any thoughts on what The Village picked out for this past year? No, I think this is like a good range of, of films. I'll be honest, I haven't watched a whole lot of 2023, but most of them are within my top 10. So yeah, I think this is like a really good... I mean, Oppenheimer, you watched like 10 times oh, in the theater, yeah, yeah, five yeah. bang them all? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I know it's... No, I mean, I think it's one of his best, honestly. And I think it's like, especially kind of pruning it to the time we're living in. I mean, it's insane. So how about you, Ron? Ron, you haven't been in the movie theater since 2003. So yeah. <laughs> Yeah, let us know I, how, how, to, know. how to go with these movies. <laughs> uh, I mean, I've I, I I I saw Barbie. Yeah, no, I mean, I'll I'll get to them. I'll get. Still I'll, haven't caught you know. that Killers of the Flower Moon yet. Yeah, no, I just I don't have the seven hours that I need to set aside for <laughs> for, for Killers of the Flower Moon right, or the, right. the twelve hours for Oppenheimer yet. But I'll I'll, I'll get Oof. to it. Should Killers of the Flower Moon been a series instead of a movie? No. Anyways, <laughs> these were the top five. These were the top five nominees. Uh, but I'd like to highlight some of the other nominees that were submitted to the poll uh, for the nomination. Pablo Larraín for El Conde, uh, Michelle Garza Cervera for Huesera, and Demian Rugna for Cuando Acecha la Maldad. And uh, I love seeing this uh, Latina representation in the initial poll. And believe it or not, I actually wasn't the only one that submitted for these directors. We'll get them next time. Uh, so thank you everybody for joining us, uh, for these, uh, directing nominations. And now we're going to pass it on back. Thank you so much, gentlemen, Ron, Gucci, and Ismail have made it their mission to bring more Latin American cinema to the village and film lovers everywhere. I have about eight films left to fully catch up and cannot wait for this new season. Just another amazing podcast coming out of the connections we made here in the VHS village. 
Well, the sun is starting to get real low, and we only have one category left. This category combines all of our previous categories, our Best Picture nominees. What is there to say about the films of 2023? They were magical, enriching, record-breaking, innovating, emotional, and opened us up all to new worlds with each new watch. It's a reminder of why we watch movies, and this year really gave us all a big reminder. Without further ado, the Best Picture nominees are Asteroid City, Wes Anderson, Jeremy Dawson, Stephen R. Raylis, Octavia Presill, John Pete, Miley Rosenblatt as producers. The car exploded. Come get the girls, I have to stay here with Woodrow. I'm not the chauffeur, I'm the grandfather. Where are you? Asteroid City, Farm Route 6, Mile 75. Junior stargazers and space cadets. Each year we celebrate Asteroid Day, commemorating September 23rd, 3007 BC, when the arid plains meteorite made Earth impact. Holy Toledo, that's Mitch Campbell. You're very good in the one about the tramp in the brothel who Thank gets you. amnesia and Thank becomes you. a pediatrician. You were very awesome. Actually, maybe my favorite character ever. I don't know why nobody else liked it. Oh. What do those pulses indicate? What? Oh, the beeps and blips? We don't know. Some of our information about outer space may no longer be completely accurate. Anyway, there's still only nine planets in the solar system as far as we know, Billy. Except now there's an alien. What's happening now? I don't know. I don't like the way that guy looked at us. The alien. How did he, how did he look? Like we're doomed. Maybe we are. I've just informed the president. How long can they keep us in Asteroid City, legally? The world will never be the same. That's an alien doing jumpy jacks. That's an alien in a top hat. What's out there? The meaning of life. Maybe there is one. Are you married? I'm a widower. But don't tell my kids. You're saying her mother died three weeks ago. Let's say she's in heaven, which doesn't exist for me, of course, but you're Episcopalian. In my loneliness, I learned to give complete and unquestioning faith to the people I love. I don't know if that includes you, but it included my daughter and your four children. Sometimes I think I feel more at home outside the Earth's atmosphere. Oh, wow. Me too. They're strange, aren't they? They're children. Compared to normal people. Yes, that's correct. It's true. Freight train, freight train, going so fast. Freight train, freight train. Going so fast, I don't... I do a nude scene. You want to see it? Huh? Did I say yes? You didn't say anything. Uh, I meant yes. My, ma my mouth didn't speak. Barbie. David Heyman, Margot Robbie, Tom Ackerley, and Robbie Brenner. Producers. Hey, Barbie. Can I come to your house tonight? Sure. I don't have anything big planned, just a giant blowout party with all the Barbies and plant choreography and a bespoke song. You should stop by. So cool. You can find me under the lights, diamonds under my eyes. This is the best day ever. It is the best day ever. So is yesterday, and so is tomorrow, and every day from now until forever. Yeah. You guys ever think about dying? <laughs> When my heart breaks Some things have been happening that might be related When my world shakes Cold shower Ooh. falling off my roof ah! And my heels are on the ground <gasps> Black feet! What do I have to do? You have to go to the real world you can go back to your regular life, or you can know the truth about the universe. The choice is now yours. The first one, the high heel. You have to want to know, okay? Do it again. Closer I am to Closer I am to I'm coming with you. Okay. This is the real world. <laughs> What's going on? Why are these men looking at me? Yeah, they're also staring at me. Barbie in the real 
That's impossible. If this got out, this could mean extremely weird things for our world. This would be catastrophic! We haven't played with Barbie since we were like five years old. Oh. No one rests until this doll is back in a box. Even if nobody else Humans only have one ending. Get that Barbie! Ideas live forever. No, I won't let you do just one appendectomy. But I'm a man. But not a doctor. Can I talk to a doctor? You are talking to a doctor. Can I need a clicky pen? No. A sharp thing? No. There he is. Doctor! Somebody get security. Is Bobby if you still in doubt? The Boy and the Heron. Toshia... Suzuki, Yoshiaki, Nishimura, producers. Mahito. So, you made it. Mother! Have a seat. It's this way, Mahito. A lot of strange things happen in this place. I just hope he stays safe. Save me. Save me, Maito! What exactly are you? Dear mother, she's awaiting your rescue. I'll be your guide. What is this place? This world is filled with the dead. I know it's a lie, but I have to see. I'm looking for someone. Let's go. We must protect this world ourselves. Go back, now! Argo, Argo! You and I aren't friends or allies, kid. Don't let go, no matter what. Ready? See this world? There's more work to be done. A gray heron once told me that all gray herons are liars. So is that the truth or a lie? A the lie. Truth. Mm-hmm. I think we have to be a lie too. The Holdovers. Mark Johnson, producer. I don't understand. That's glaringly apparent. I can't fail this class. Oh, don't sell yourself short, Mr. Coates. I truly believe that you can. Every year at Barton Academy, students, faculty, and staff depart the campus for a two-week winter break. But there are always an unfortunate few who have nowhere to go for the holidays. They're known as the holdovers. Mr. Hunnam. Hello, Mary. I heard you got stuck with babysitting duty this year. How'd you manage that? You know, he used to be a student, right? Yeah, that's why he knows how to inflict maximum pain on us. I thought all the Nazis were hiding in Argentina. Stifle it, Tully. You just earned yourself a detention, sir. Being here with you is already one big detention. Son of a bitch, that's another detention! Do you think I want to be babysitting you? No, I was praying your mother would pick up the phone or your father would arrive in a helicopter or a flying saucer My father's to take father's dead. You don't tell a boy that's been left behind at Christmas that nobody wants him? What's wrong with you? There's nobody here, okay? You stay out of my way, and I'll stay out of yours. Let me sleep in the Now, most of the kids dislike you, pretty much hate you. Teachers, too. You know that, right? I find the world a bitter and complicated place, and it seems to feel the same way about me. I think you and I have this in common. I don't think I've ever had a real family Christmas like this before. Thank you, Mary. You're welcome. History is not simply the study of the past. It is an explanation of the present. See, when you say it that way and throw in some pornography, it's a lot easier to understand. (laughs) I'd like to propose a toast to my two unlikely companions. 
Are you trying to lift down my shirt? No. <laughs> yes. You're gonna get me fired. This is your Rubicon. Do not cross the Rubicon. The Holdovers. Killers of the Flower Moon. Dan Friedkin, Bradley Thomas, Martin Scorsese, and Daniel Lupi, producers. You got a nice color scheme. What color would you say that is? My color. The Osage. They have the worst land possible. But they outsmarted everybody. The land had oil on it. Black gold. Money flows freely here now. I do love that money, sir. <laughs> this wealth should come to us. Their time is over. It's going to be another tragedy. When this money started coming, we should have known it came with something else. They're like buzzards circling our people. We're still warriors. I ought to kill these white men who killed my family. I need you here. I am right here. You've got to take back control of your home. I was uh, sent down from Washington, D.C. to see about these murders. See what about them? See who's doing it. Expecting a miracle to make all this go away. You know they don't happen anymore. May, December. Natalie Portman, Christine Vashon, Will Ferrell, Pamela Koffler, Jessica Elbaum, Timothy Bird, Tyler W. Coney, Sophie Moss, Grant S. Johnson, Nicholas Erickson, Mason Plotz, Haley Ricker, producers. Uh, how, how do you choose your roles? Hmm. I want to find a character that's difficult to understand. Why are they like this? Were they born or were they made? You were taller, you look, you look taller on television, but we're basically the same size. Thank you for doing this. Well, I want you to tell the story right, don't I? They're sweet, aren't they? We've been together for almost 24 years now. It's hard to trust them. You're gonna represent things as they were. What would make a 36-year-old woman have an affair with a seventh grader? So good. What's your relationship like with your kids? How is that relevant? You're the actress playing my mother. Look me in the eye and tell me how selfish you are. You're different than me. You're a modern woman. <laughs> Why would you want to play someone who you think is a bad person? It's the moral gray areas that are interesting. <sighs> Insecure people are very dangerous. I have an idea of what's sneaking around with you. It must have felt like. I shouldn't have said that. No worries. What were your expectations? That my children would love me and my life would be perfect. I'm a little naive. I am naive. 
I always have been. Oppenheimer, Emma Thomas, Charles Roven, and Christopher Nolan, producers. This is a national emergency. Detonator charged. against the Nazis. And I know what it means if the Nazis have a bomb. They have a 12-month head start. 18. How could you possibly know that? We've got one hope. All America's industrial might and scientific innovation connected here. Secret laboratory. Keep everyone there until it's done. Let's go recruit some scientists. Build a town, build it fast. We don't let scientists bring their families. We'll never get the best. Why would we go to the middle of nowhere for who knows how long? Why? Why? How about because this is the most important thing to ever happen in the history of the world? You're the great improviser, but this... you can't do in your head. Are we saying there's a chance that when we push that button, we destroy the world? Chances are near zero. Near zero. What do you want from theory alone? Zero would be nice. This is a matter of life and death. But I can perform this miracle. World War II would be over. Our boys would come home. That's happening, isn't it? The world will remember this day. Our work here will ensure a peace mankind has never seen. Until somebody builds a bigger one. You are the man who gave them the power to destroy themselves. And the world is not prepared. to know what's next. Two. What's next? One. Past Lives. David Hinojosa, Christine Vashon, and Pamela Koffler. Producers. What a good story this is. Childhood sweethearts who reconnect 20 years later and realize they were meant for each other. In the story, I would be the evil white American husband standing in the way of destiny. Shut up. He was just this kid in my head for such a long time. I think I just missed him. Did he miss you? Hands off! Wow, Wow. Wow. <laughs> Not really sure how to feel about it, son, and the way you move makes me feel like I can't live without you. Just the way I want to stay. Like I flew 13 hours to be here. I'm not gonna tell you that you can't see him or something.
If two strangers walk by each other in the street and their clothes accidentally brush, that means there have been 8,000 layers of inyan between them. Poor Things, Ed Guinea, Andrew Lowe, Yorgos, Lanthimos, and Emma Stone, producers. This is Bella. Bella, this is Mr. McCandles. Hello, Bella. No! She's an experiment. Good evening. Her brain and her body are not quite synchronized. But she's progressing at an accelerated pace. Tell me, where did she come from? I shall. For it is a happy tale. I am Bella Baxter, and there is a world to enjoy, circumnavigate. It is the goal of all to progress. Grow. A woman plotting her course to freedom. How delightful. Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse Avi Arad Christine Steinberg Phil Lord Christopher Miller Alonzo Ruvalcalba Amy Pascal Rebecca Karch Tomlinson Julie Grohl Producers I can hear you being quiet, Mom. I, um, hope I didn't ice your game, man. No one my age says those words in that order. It's just hard to see my little man not being my little boy all the time. Yeah. For years I've been taking care of this little boy. Making sure he is loved. That he feels like he belongs wherever he wants to be. He wants to go out into the world and do great big things. Not bad, kid. And what I worry about most... I love you, Miles. ...is they won't look out for you like us. Miles! Want to get out of here? Wherever you go from here, you have to promise to take care of that little boy for me. Make sure he never forgets where he came from. And he never doubts that he is loved. And he never lets anyone tell him that he doesn't belong there. You gotta promise, Miles. I promise. We are supposed to be the good guys. We are. These are your VHS Village Awards nominees for 2024. Congratulations to all our nominees, and thank you to everyone who submitted their favorites for this year. We had an amazing amount of submissions, and you can check out all of our villager submissions that didn't make the finals this year in the episode notes. And one last reminder, the village votes will be held over the next few weeks, and our winners will be announced live during our second annual Oscar Watch Party, presented by likely ABC Broadcast Issues, March 10th. Check the Discord events for details and links to the voting ballot. 
As always, if you listen this far or to any of our 70 MM Rejected episodes, thank you. We hope they help you keep up on the Discord and Village happenings. We love recording them, and as always, if you'd like to join in any capacity, just reach out. This has been your VHS Village Award nomination special. Thank you, good night, and... Seventy Millimeter Rejected is an Opossum production. Original artwork by Paul. Kinda original music by Dave with an assist from Seventy Millimeter. The Seventy Millimeter Rejected team includes Kirby, Latdad, Dime, Paul, RWT Chats, Bex, Grogu Dave, Josh, Nolan, Yoev, Ron, Trainer, and Ben C. If you'd like to join us in the silliness, ping one of us in Discord. And if you'd like to support our friends at 70mm and upgrade to villager status, you can do so using the links in the notes. Goodbye. This is an Opossums podcast. They picked the most professional people oh, to do this. So. <laughs> oh, God. Uh.